The following is a Westminster Seminary, California morning devotion given by a guest speaker. The statements, views, and opinions presented in this message are those of the speaker and do not necessarily reflect the opinions of Westminster Seminary, California. For more information about Westminster Seminary, California, visit us online at wscal.edu or call 888-480-8474. That's online, wscal.edu, or call 888-480-8474. 8474. This morning we have the privilege of hearing from one of our distinguished graduates, uh, the Reverend Danny Hyde, graduated from this institution in the year 2000, and after that planted Oceanside United Reformed Church, a position that he has held for the last 17 years. So we're delighted to have him back. He's married to Kara Jean, celebrating their 19 years of marriage. They have four kids, ages 3, 13 uh, through 5. So we're delighted to have you here, Danny. Please bring us God's word. Good morning. Everyone's doing great, right? We're at, we're at seminary. Everyone's doing great. Everyone's holy. Everybody's totally devoted, sold out to the Lord. Um, come to bring you uh, the word this morning. So let's turn together to Job, uh, Job chapter 1. I'm uh, going to just really focus on uh, a couple of verses here, but uh, the whole prologue is chapter 1 uh, down to uh, chapter 2, uh, the end of chapter 2. And let's just begin reading at verse 1 down through uh, verse number uh, 7. Or verse 8, excuse me. Uh, There was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was blameless and upright, one who feared God and turned away from evil. There were born to him seven sons and three daughters. He possessed 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camels, 500 yoke of oxen, and 500 female donkeys, and very many servants. So that this man was the greatest of all the people of the East. His sons used to go and hold a feast in the house of each one on his day, and they would send and invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when the days of the feast had run their course, Job would send and consecrate them. And he would rise early in the morning and offer burnt offerings according to the number of them them all. For Job said, it may be that my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. Thus Job did continually. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. The Lord said to Satan, From where have you come? Satan answered the Lord and said, From going to and fro on the earth, and from walking up and down on it. And the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man who fears God and turns away from evil? May God write his words on our hearts. Well, in his uh, massive commentary on uh, the book of Job, uh, Gregory the Great, uh, known as the first pope of the medieval church, uh, said that the word of God is like a river. Uh, You might have heard that analogy before, this illustration. It's like a river, uh, shallow enough for a lamb to wade in, but it's also deep enough for an elephant to float. So great uh, illustration and uh, analogy of the word. Shallow enough for the simplest, but yet deep enough for uh, the highest and the greatest, the strongest. Now, the deep end of Job uh, is coming to grips uh, with the reality of what it's about and uh, its purpose uh, and its place uh, in the canon. So I'm going to leave the the deep end to the better lights amongst us. And we're just going to dive into the shallow end uh, and wade in there. Uh, for a few moments, and uh, just to think about what Job says to us 
in terms of uh, what God says about us, his identification of us, and how we rest in that. Uh, and just to think about that in terms of where we stand and where we find ourselves in the world uh, today, just to illustrate, you know, how, how this purpose of Job uh, affects us and impacts us, uh, the world around us offers us a mirror. And uh, that mirror is, of course, a, uh, an ever-changing reflection uh, in which we see ourselves based on what the world tells us, what the world wants us to see in ourselves, and how we shift and morph, and we constantly change in that mirror. It's never the same. Uh, the prologue of Job, though, uh, is like a window. It's not a mirror, but it's a window in which God opens up for us just a little glimpse into God's heavenly throne to see an image there of his never-changing uh, thoughts and declaration about us. So the world wants us to change. God has a word for us, though, a word that is that we never ch- that we that that His purpose for us never changes. Uh, that His word towards us, His promise towards us, uh, cannot be morphed. It cannot be shifted. It cannot be uh, changed by whatever the world around us tells us. And so we have here a window into heaven of a never-changing image of how God sees us. And this prologue opens up here, as I read, with a description about this man, Job. Uh, We see here that he lived in the land of Uz, somewhere east of the promised land. But more important, we see his godliness here. Uh, He's blameless. He uh, lives his life with integrity. He was upright. He followed the ways of the Lord. He feared God, the beginning of wisdom and knowledge and piety. And he turned away from evil, as we're told there. Now, he wasn't sinless, but he was a God-fearing man. He feared the Lord. And like the blessed man of Psalm 1, uh, who didn't walk in the counsel of the ungodly and the ways of the wicked, but who delighted instead in the, in the law of the Lord, and the result of which, all of that, was that in everything he did, prospered, in the same way Job too, was fruitful, multiplied, and as it were, he, he filled his little corner of the earth, we're told here, uh, seven sons, three daughters, ten children. Uh, he was also somewhat of a, of a business mogul, we would, we would say in our terms, with, uh, with thousands of animals and servants to boot, to care for all those animals. And the conclusion in verse 3 is that he was the greatest of all the people of the East. But more than that, this description about him, uh, Job is not a, a do-as-I-say and not-as-I-do kind of a, of a man or a father. We see his piety here in action. And in particular, we're told there in verse 5 that uh, after his family had, had their fun and their, their frolicking uh, with the regular festivals, Job acts like a priest. He rises up early the next morning, offers up burnt offerings according to the number of them all, all ten of his children. Why? Because Job says they may have sinned. And they might have cursed God in their hearts. Not that they've sinned hourly, but he's thinking about their hearts about their consciences, about their motivations. And so we have a great description here of this man, Job, a godly man, a righteous man, a man who's concerned for the welfare of his own family and for others. And that that description leads then to a dialogue here. There's a dialogue here uh, in chapter 1 at at verse uh, 6 down to to chapter 2, which we don't have time to read, but there's there's a dialogue here between the one who cannot lie, God, and the one who cannot tell the truth, the devil, Satan. Uh, I'll leave the discussion about the Satan, who that is, but uh, take it, we'll just take it on uh, for granted that this is the Lord versus uh, Satan, the accuser. 
Uh, there's a day uh, on which the sons of God, whom Job calls later on holy ones, these angelic figures, they present themselves before the Lord. And along with them is this Satan, the Satan, as uh, the, the narrative describes him uh, over and over and over again. The accuser, the adversary, the sons and the Satan, they present themselves, notice, as servants before a master. They come to the Lord. Now notice something interesting in verse 7. We've read this phrase thousands of times in our Old Testament. The Lord said. The Lord said to Satan. Did you notice there who initiates the dialogue? So you have these sons and you have this Satan, this accuser, uh, who come and present themselves before the Lord of all the earth. But the Lord initiates the dialogue. Uh, No one, not even Satan himself, can present himself before the Lord unless the Lord grants him access. And like a child, like, like we teach our kids to adults, you don't speak until you're spoken to first. Not even the devil can speak in the presence of God without the Lord first speaking here. And the Lord initiates this this dialogue here. From where have you come? As if he doesn't already know. The Satan responds, verse 7, from going to and fro on the earth, from walking up and down on it. Now this may not uh, translate here in Escondido, uh, but this is not a leisurely stroll along Pacific Coast Highway to feel the ocean breeze and the salty air in your hair at night. Nobody laughs. Nobody laughs. (laughs) It's not a leisurely stroll. He's not just walking around uh, for, the, for, the, for the fun of it. But this, this, this idea of going to and fro, it, it's used uh, elsewhere to describe turbulence uh, of an oar slapping against the water or a swimmer as he is uh, going through the water or of a whip as it cracks the air. He's going to and fro. He's causing chaos in people's lives. Uh, there was a 17th century preacher, Joseph Carroll, who preached uh, like over 400 sermons uh, on Job, and he said this. I've not read them all, but I, at, least, at least on this quote. Uh, says he says, his walking is working. He's walking to and fro. His walking is working. What does that mean? He goes around tempting, uh, Carol says, trying to lay snares and bait to catch and captivate the souls of men. So where, where have you been? From where have you been going? To and fro on the earth, causing chaos in people's lives, looking for people to devour. The Lord then asks the Satan, verse 8, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him on all the earth. He's blameless. He's upright. He fears God. He shuns evil. Have you considered him as you have gone around the earth looking? Have you considered him? What is God doing there? Why is God pointing out Job? He's glorifying himself. Have you considered considered my servant Job? How is he glorifying himself? He he really, in in, in many ways, he's he's re-preaching here to the serpent that promise of bruising his head, crushing his head. He's re-preaching that ancient promise. You're going around seeking to devour whom you will, and I have this one here who is not doing the things that his first father and his first mother did, listening to your little insidious voice. No, he's godly and he's righteous and he trusts in me. Have you considered him? There is on this earth one who has begun to crush your head. What can the Satan say? What can this accuser say to that? He, he, he can't attack Job's outward piety. That's evident to everyone. So he attacks the inner motive. We sang in that song about the, the tempting 
that comes in our conscience and attacks our motives and our, our, our desires, the things within us. Does Job fear God for no reason? What a ludicrous question to ask. As if the Lord has no idea why Job serves him. As if the Lord has no idea what's in Job's heart. Satan is, is saying here, Job is a deceiver. He's a faker. He only does this to get something out of it from you. And so he challenges the Lord. Again, just the audacity of this. Stretch out your hand, he says. Touch all that he has, and he will curse you to your face. What a ridiculous, ridiculous thing to challenge God with. When we're tempted, we're not allowed to say it's the Lord who's doing it, of course. We can't say, I am being tempted by God. God is not tempted nor can tempt anyone. And notice how the Lord, in his, his amazing wisdom, with a turn of phrase, puts it all back into Job's lap. All that he has is in your hands. Only against him do not stretch out your hands. You want a hand to put Job into? He's yours. And against all that he had, the, the devil, notice, the Satan, his insidious hand on another day when his sons and daughters were frolicking and having their festival, verse 13, uh, a series of four messengers come. Four messengers whom Satan has spared for this purpose. All the other servants are dead. All the animals are dead. These four, though, have been spared to bring that horrific news. Your sons and your daughters are also dead. Where have you been? I've been walking to and fro. The devil's laying bait, as it were, to catch and captivate souls. Job doesn't take the bait. He doesn't do what Satan expected him to do. The whole scene is repeated again in chapter 2. And you have Job saying, uh, at, the end of, uh, at the end of chapter 1, verse 21, Naked I came from my mother's womb, and naked shall I return. Which Satan then uses against him before the Lord. Again, he turns these things against him. Verse 4 of chapter 2, skin for skin, all that a man has he will give for his life. And so the Lord actually puts Job in Satan's hand, only sparing his life. We know the story. Causing his body to be covered with loathsome sores, which he can only scrape off with a piece of broken pottery, sitting in ashes. And Satan even, notice, Satan even spares Job's wife. Chapter 2, verse 9. Why? To try to use her against him. Do you still hold fast your integrity? Curse God, die. What a description of this man. What, what an interesting dialogue about this man as well. But all this brings us to Really what this prologue is about is, is a declaration here about this man. Job's not in our Bibles uh, to give us the secret answer for why we suffer. And Job, having done this for a few years, counseled a few people, Job's a terrible book to turn people to in their suffering. It's not, their, it's not the place to go, trust me. It's not in your Bible for that reason. It's in the word, of course, that shows us that when suffering happens, of course, God is in control. He's God. He's a heavenly father. He doesn't allow anything to come into our lives apart from his providential care and concern for us. But it's showing us here, again, not why do I suffer, but when I suffer, God's word about me is final. That's what we see here. 
You have the devil saying all kinds of things. You have uh, his wife saying things. You have these servants saying things. And eventually, getting into, if you read the, going on, you're going to have the friends saying things. They're all saying things about Job. Curse God and die. He only serves you for what he can get out of it. The friends are saying, you're, do, you're going through all this because you sinned. Find out the secret sin. Confess it. But the, the prologue is saying what God says about us, his declaration, that's, for, that's final. And that's what determines our reality and our lives. Their words about him, they're like mirrors. And he's constantly seeing himself in the light of what they're saying. But God says, no, here's a window to see what I say about you. When Satan tempts me to despair, we say. Job despaired. We, we can go through despair. Many that we will minister to will have great despair. But God declares something about us here that sounds just too good to be true. Have you considered my servant Job? In other words, God is saying he hasn't forgotten you. He hasn't forsaken you when you suffer. God says there's none like him on the earth. He hasn't thrown us away like yesterday's trash. You're a treasure to him. Blameless, upright, fears God, turns away from you. Notice it's not just the, the, the narrator saying that, it's God saying that. And God says that about a man who's going to go on in the, in the, in the chapter to follow, chapter 3, to wish he had never been born. He's going to go on to say many things throughout this, this book about himself being a wretched sinner out of one side of the mouth, the other side of the mouth, that he's a blameless man. But God says he's mine. God says of Job, and just like he says of all of his children who go through this life in his providential hand and care, trusting in him, yet not seeing how to trust in him, he's mine. He's forgiven. He's covered by the blood of the lamb. He's justified. He's adopted. He's an heir of it all. Do we see what the Lord is saying here? Again, the world offers a mirror, but God offers a window. The world offers us an ever-changing reflection that causes confusion and causes despair and leads to meaninglessness. God offers us a window to see an image that never changes and to hear in the echo of eternity a declaration that reverberates back and forth on the halls of eternity that never changes. And so when he does allow suffering to come into our lives, and he will, it's to justify his own declaration about us. It's to tell Satan and all the hordes of hell that we are truly righteous in his sight. To say that when we do suffer, he's holding us up to the devil himself, saying, I chose him. Nothing you do can snatch him out of my hand. And it's because of that word, this declaration, this promise of God, his word for us in our soul, when we put our hope in Jesus Christ, even when we go through the fire and through the water, it's because of his word about us that we can say back to him as Job does. The Lord gave. The Lord has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Let's pray together. Gracious and merciful God, we do praise you for the gospel of Jesus Christ, which is a declaration about us and to us and for us that never can be altered, changed, erased and written over never can be forgotten by you even when we forget it. We ask, Lord, that you would uphold uh, our lives and our souls and our hearts in all the despair and temptation and struggle 
and the muck of this life, that we would know what you say about us is declarative for our lives and our reality. And help us, Lord, in that for ourselves to be confident and assured that we are your children, we are your servants, and that that word, Lord, would so transform and affect us and enliven us that we would uh, go out, uh, not be able to restrain ourselves, but to declare that uh, to any, Lord, that we would come into contact with, to know you, to come into right relationship with you through Jesus Christ, your Son. And we ask it all in his name. Amen. Copyright 2017, Westminster Seminary, California. All rights reserved. You are permitted to reproduce and distribute this material in any format, provided that you do not alter the wording in any way and that you do not charge a fee beyond the cost of reproduction. For web posting, a link to this document on our website is preferred.